Let's talk about Romans chapter 6. It's an amazing chapter where Paul talks about uh, our, our death. He speaks of death literally, and he speaks of it figuratively. He speaks of it as to what has happened in our salvation history, or our salvific is what they, I think the theologians call it, our salvific history. But it's the history of our salvation and what God has done. What we want you to know is everything that God has given to you. A lot of Christians are walking around not really fully knowing. We know that, that God has saved us, but we, we know kind of, sort of, you know, because we find ourselves uh, showing some of our old traits. Uh, but, but there's a, an answer for that in the Word of God. Paul is talking to us because he was talking to Christians who live in a pagan world, a world of ungodliness, all kinds of crazy things were going on in Rome. I mean, there was a lot of, of uh, sin, and it was like a sin pit, uh, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, lying, cheating, stealing, everything's in Rome. And so he, he, was, he wrote this letter so that Christians would grow properly, so that they would know how to grow and what they have in Jesus Christ. So our emphasis always is on Jesus Christ and who you are in Him and, and who He is in you. And that's what we always want you to know. So Roman, uh, Romans is written by Paul to this group of people. Now, you and I have the same situations that they had in Rome. And it, there was pressure on Christians who live in Rome to conform to what the world is doing. There's pressure on you. Every day, there's pressure on you to accept things that God hates. And, and I know I have felt them. I have felt them. I've felt those pressures. But I've refused to do it. I'm really, I, 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 I'm not saying I've never sinned. I, I, I have sinned. And, uh, and I'm sure that most of you, if not all of you, have as well since coming to the Lord. But it was this, in the last service, a young man came up for salvation. And I talked to him about uh, it came out of a rough life, but I talked to him a little bit about uh, if you're walking, uh, you're, you're saved. It's like a person walking past a mud hole. You slip in, but it disgusts you. You know, I don't like being muddy. I don't like being dirty, and I'm looking for a bath very quickly. Instead of a person walking by a mud hole and saying, man, I love the mud. And so you're not that person anymore. And so Paul describes it by using uh, the metaphor and the, the, the real word, of course, too, but of death. You know, he uses death as a metaphor to describe what we have done, but we actually have died. But you say, well, no, I'm alive, but the old person, the person that you used to be, is no longer thriving, no longer in control. Uh, that, that person that you used to be has been rendered... Uh, ineffective by what God has done. So Paul says, I'm going to go back further than I had planned to. Uh, uh, I'm going to go to verse 5, if you guys will put it up. He says, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. And so what Paul says is that when uh, Jesus Christ died on the cross, Jesus Christ died in two ways. He died for us. We know that. That was one of the first things I learned as a young Christian is Jesus died for me. I didn't know until much later he died as me. And so, so what that happened was God in his infinite and matchless wisdom 
took you when you said, I believe that uh, I believe God, your word, I believe your word, I believe that Jesus is your son, I believe that he died for me, and I believe he rose again. Then with that uh, confession and, and profession, you confessed that you were a sinner. What God did was he took you in a supernatural way and placed you in his son. Now, you were not placed in the literal body of Jesus, but you were placed in the spiritual body. That is, it's what I call the Christ sphere. It's like a realm of existence, of living. It's in the Christ sphere. So God placed you there because all of that realm is Christ. It's one person. It's this, man, this spirit man, this man, the son of God, uh, the uncreated life. It's his sphere that God has placed you in. And, and this is what God wants you to know, that you were united together with him. Paul says we have been united together with him. So that means born together, having a joint origin um, existing in a personal thing from birth. You know, so that means that in your new birth, your new birth had its existence not in the old sphere where sin dominates everything, but in a new sphere. Does that make sense to you? You know, sometimes you have to say these things over and over, over and over and over. And then so Paul says in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, so then that means the person that you were before salvation is, is no longer the dominant force in your life. Sin cannot just do whatever it wants to do to you because that person is really dead in the sense that that person is inoperative. That person doesn't have the dominance that that person had before. That person doesn't take its, the members, this body, and just use them for ungodliness and sinful things. No, no. You might fall into it, but you can't stand it. You hate it. I remember many, many, many years ago, <clears throat> yeah, many, 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 you know, uh, that um, I, I was talking to the Lord uh, about some crazy thing I was talking about, and I just said, well, you don't let me get away with anything. That was the dumbest statement I ever said, you know, one of the dumbest, because I, I was saying, you know, you know, you let other people get away with things. He said, I know you. I made you. I would forgive you, but you will never forgive yourself. That's what God told me, and he is so right. You know, it's very difficult for me to get over things I did as a child. It's not a, a crazy thing it, because he has made my spirit man so acutely sensitive to those kinds of things. I'm not saying that I'm so perfect I never raised my voice, but hardly ever. Well, maybe. <laughs> and, so, and so he made us in the likeness uh, of Christ's death. And he says that we're going to be in the likeness of his resurrection. So since one, the first one is true, the last one is true, regardless of how you feel in your journey. The likeness, that, mean, that, that means that you and I are a perfect representation in the realm of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. We cannot be an imperfect representation. We are an, a perfect representation in the Spirit. And one day, listen, you keep walking this out. One day, all this, this body here, is going to fall off, and then we're going to see. John tells us like this. This is not what's not planned here. But John tells us that when he appears, we are going to be like him. Isn't that amazing? And this is what John says, for we shall see him as he is. So with John, there's something in the coming of Christ and into our present reality, but it's going to be more forceful when we see him because when Christ bursts through the air, if right now Christ bursts through the air, we would have immediately eternal bodies, eternal bodies, fashioned like his glorious body. And so, 
Paul says that the old man was crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. We should no longer be slaves. See, the old person is a slave of sin. Uh, our sister wrote a, 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 a sobriety note here thanking Jesus, saying the old person was a slave of those habits, those bad habits, could not be free. But thank God, Jesus didn't set, just set her free. He made her free, and then he set her free. Yeah. And so Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, he says, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ, where am I, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And what Paul is saying to us is that you and I can rely on the Scriptures. So whenever I preach, I try to bring scriptural witnesses. You know, not necessarily different authors, because Paul wrote half of the New Testament, but you bring his message to the Colossians, his message to the Philippians, or, or to the Corinthians. They have various applications. He uses the same terminologies, but he uses, uses them sometimes applying them to different situations. And so I want you to always do, when you have a doubt in this life, bring up scriptural witnesses. That's why you need to read the Bible. You need to read the Bible because you can say, and as Paul will say, he's going to, he's going to um, uh, deal with this in, in Scriptural Witnesses in just a moment. As, he bring, as, as we have told you before, he brought up uh, Genesis and he, and he brings up the Psalms and, and with, with David. And so when the Bible told us that, 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 that the old man might be, uh, that he was crucified, uh, that the old person might be done away with, uh, it meant, as I said, it meant to be rendered idle inactive, inoperative, lacking in force and power to, to make you do crazy stuff. So let's look at Romans 8.11 quickly. Paul writes in Romans 8.11, he says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, how? Through his spirit who dwells in you. I like to say that you and I, as, as the new mankind, remember that, we're the new mankind. I know some of us have this proclivity to keep thinking that we are, or as it were, um, a, a, like a, the new Israel. We are, we're, we are now Jewish, and we like to sing little songs, wonderful songs. But you are a new mankind. That's what you are. You're a new mankind. You are circumcised of heart. In that sense, you're, you, you could say you're Jewish. But you are a new mankind, a mankind that has never been before. Jesus is the first fruit of that new mankind. He's the first fruit of that new mankind. Now, Paul says we were united with Christ in his death. God did that in his great wisdom. Then when Christ was raised from the dead as a new person, a new mankind, the first fruits of it, you also now are a new mankind. So then your baptism uh, into Christ was done by God, by the Holy Spirit. So you were baptized into Christ. Now, remember my pickle? Uh, analogy? All right. So don't go around telling people you've been pickled. That's not what I'm wanting you to do. All right? But, but it's, it's a good analogy. So, so you have been baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. Now, when we go, take you up here and we baptize you, that is a picture of you. Every time somebody's baptized, that's a photo of you, that God took you and immersed you in His Son 
and, and, and that is in his death, and then when you came up, you're a new person. That's what God wants you to know. When we know that, I believe that God will be in the process or, as it were, may have done it, remove secularism from his body. That's what I believe. We've got to know that. So, so you, we are the only people group, and I come look around at you, you see all shades of, of the colors, you know, here. And we are, but we are still one people group. And we are the new humanity wherein dwells the spirit of the infinite God. That's big. That's big. Okay. Okay. That's, let me read one more to you, and then I will, I'm going to hurry to my end. Not to the end of my time. Colossians 2, verses 11 and 12. This is what Paul says. So I call up the Colossians to witness. He says, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So that just proves my point, that you were circumcised, that is the body of sin was removed from you, is rendered inoperative, why? By, by God's own hands or without human hands. He says, without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Then he goes on to say again, buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. See, Christ being ra raised from the dead is big. It, is, it, it cannot be removed from your salvation experience. It cannot be removed. So then what does this do for the believer? It gives the believers confidence. It gives the believer strength. It gives the believer an ability to trust. See, Christianity is not just something I do. It's who I am. You know, preaching is not just something I do. I love to preach. I, honestly, I preach because of the, something in me. It's not just like, oh, I love to go talk to people. No, I really like being alone. I know that sounds crazy, you know, for somebody, but I do. I like being alone. And then, you know, a few friends, yeah, you know, maybe a, a handful would be, be good. I could go and live in the desert or in the wilderness. But there's something in me, and that's, is, he's called the Holy Spirit, that his dwelling in me brought, as it were, the Godhead. So by the Spirit of God, I have Christ now lives in me and lives in you. And so then we live then to do whatever he wants, to do what pleases him. That's what causes us to move. Amen. And um, um, in verse 8 says, now if we died or since we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Now listen to this. Death no longer has dominion over him. I, I, well, that, I fought that for a long time. I was a, as a young man trying to, I was, I was always a defender of Christ, right? I got I to defend the, the, the veracity of Jesus. And so I'm thinking, what is Paul talking about here? You know, like, like I can negate this or something. But God forgives people like me. And so, but he says death no longer has dominion over him. But that, that's why, the, the reason why is because it is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. So then Christ, as a man, died once. Wow, that's big. It's appointed unto man once to die. So, and after that, the judgment. So God decided beforehand that we, you and I, should be conformed to the image of his son. So when the Bible teach, teaches that or speaks of that, 
that God decided something beforehand. What the Bible is saying is that before time began. I find it appalling, uh, really just, I'm mystified that people can believe, and I know I believed it once because it was drummed in me as a kid, that I could go to hell for even wearing an afro. Of course, I, I couldn't wear one now, but, but it's an impossibility, right? So, so if I could go to hell because I couldn't wear one, oh, Jesus, that would be to- totally unfair. But I was told things like that. Women could go to hell if they put some lipstick on or if they wore slacks, and those were things I was taught. And, and I was miserable on my way to heaven, but miserable. Didn't understand my rights. Didn't understand the privilege that God had made, given to me as a son and that he had saved me eternally. And, and that because he placed me in Christ, he placed you in Christ. Your salvation experience started because by the Holy Spirit placing you in Christ. And when God placed you in Christ, if you could be taken out of Christ, we have a huge theological dilemma. I mean, really, we've got a real crisis in the kingdom. Why? Because there, was some, there would have been something in Christ that never should have been. I can't tolerate that. I can't tolerate that. So I'm just saying to you, you may have had some stumbles here and there, but let's stop stumbling. You know, sometimes, you know, when, you, when people are stumbling, it's because they don't pick their feet up. <laughs> you know, just pick your feet up. And start walking like a son of God, like a child of God. Listen, amen. (laughs) That's good, right? Y'all are blessing me. In Romans 8, 29, 8, 29. Now, now we're bringing, I'm going ahead and bringing Romans 8 into my conversation in Romans 6. Is that okay with y'all? Listen, it's so good, we just had to do it. This reminds me of the time I, I was talking to Pastor Stan back in our oil field days. And I said, hey, let me, let me see your Bible. I didn't have my Bible. And he let me see it. And I said, hey, man, you got this whole thing on the line. He says, because it's all good. <laughs> so I, I remember that. So I got Romans 8, 29 in chapter 6 because it's all good. Listen to what he says in Romans 8, 29. For whom he, God, foreknew, knew beforehand, knew before you were born, knew before he made the earth. Be, knew before he knew before time began when it was just he and the Son of God the, and the Holy Spirit in eternity enjoying themselves, enjoying the fellowship. We don't know how amazing and awesome that was. And he said, but he said, listen to what he says. It says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Now, this is not just a general knowing, he knew you as who you are today. He knew you as, as his very own through the Son, Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. He knew you. Now, when I get that into my, my mind, I, I just get crazy here. I mean, honestly, I, I, I'm just so, I just want to punch that. I, I don't want to quit that. That's too powerful for us to gloss over with some elementary view of things. It's just too big. It's too big to know that he knew you before. And, 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 uh, and, and he also predestined you. And all of this is based on what he knew his son could do and would do. He knew his son was not going to fail. No, he didn't put his hands on the scale, but he knew he couldn't fail. This is huge for you. And so why should I be ignorant enough 
to try to prove God wrong. That's what I do when I try to tell people, oh, you, you, you're going to go to hell. No, the warnings are there. You know, this is why the warnings are there, I believe. The warnings are there because you and I have good works because of what God has done. And if we, don't ha- if we have sloppy poppy, you know, our life is sloppy poppy, then, then that, that means, wait a minute, have you been saved? I'm not talking about a mistake here and there. I'm talking about a lifestyle of evil. You can't have that and be saved. You can't say, well, I'm saved now. I can do anything I want to. No, if you're really saved, you have the Spirit of God. You want to do what God wants. And so that's, the warnings are there. Wait a minute, buddy. That, you've been having this behavior. But some, Paul says, I'm, I just turned him over to Satan. In other words, Paul had this apostolic authority where he could say, as it were, step out of the way and say, I'm not going to intercede for you, Hymenus. I'm not going to intercede for you. I'm going to let the devil have you while I whip you a little bit. You're going to run to God. There's, there's, there's that possibility. Okay? Okay, you know, y'all okay with me? Okay. Okay, I'm talking fast. So he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. So this is amazing. So what God is doing, we are perfect in spirit. We are perfect there. This outward in our soul, we are learning in our mind, our will, our emotions. We are learning how to bring that under under the, the lordship of Jesus Christ, as it were. And that's why we have to have difficulties and trials. That's why temptations come. We're not going to go this way but this once. And I, I mean, I hate temp- I t- temptations. I hate problems. Come on, I'm not going to tell you here, oh, I love them. Bring them on, Jesus. No. No, I don't want them. But I find myself dealing with them. I, I find myself dealing. The old man talking about, hey, here I am. I say, get out of here. You always cause me trouble. I don't want the old man is there, but he, 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 he's rendered inoperative. He can't do what he used to do. He can't lead me to do things I used to do. Yeah, n- n- neither you. All right? Are we together? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Though, okay, those whom, uh, for whom he foreknew you, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be, Jesus might be, the firstborn among many brethren. I think that we have, we have chewed that a lot. We've masticated that a lot and ingested it, that God wanted many sons. And the, the way he got many sons is through the unique son of God. Jesus, we're all sons, but Jesus is what we would call the unique son of God. It, and it, he's the son of God who didn't have a beginning. And that's big stuff. Uh, you don't, don't you like that? That's big stuff. For me, you know, see, I live in a world where things were created, and so it's hard for me to understand uncreated. Now, you may be a lot better than I am, so if you get it really good, you need to sit down with me, and uh, we need to talk about it. You need to pray for me and help me. But it's hard for me to think of, of what uncreated is. So this is how I understand uncreated. Wow. That's how I understand it. That's, that's, that's very deep, isn't it? Wow. You know, what does it look like? I don't know. Wow. You know, always wow. That's how I, I understand it. Okay. So, so uh, let's, let's look at um, verse 10. So Paul is still talking about this death because when Christ was on the cross, uh, he died for me and as me. He died for you as you. Keep that in mind. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, 
but the life that he lives, he lives to God. So the scripture is saying to us that Christ died a death to sin and the sin realm, to the sphere of sin, where sin has no control ever. Jesus beat sin. Jesus beat death. Now, you and I look at it on this side, and we go, yeah, that's cool. But nobody had ever beaten death. You know, for the 100 billion people, or however many were at that time, had lived, nobody had beaten death, and Jesus came and beat death. Therefore, for those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, death can't hold us. It couldn't hold him. Death can't hold us. So, in, in, in the life of the believer, we don't die like people used to die. That is, they would die, go to a holding place, uh, you know, Hades, and go to this holding place uh, where the righteous dead were and waiting on Yeshua HaMashiach, waiting on Jesus the Messiah. They were waiting on Jesus. So, so when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us that he went into hell. He went into hell, but he went, in, he went into, as it were, Hades. Our, our translation says hell. He went into Hades, and, uh, and I, I just imagine the shouting and the praising. We don't have record of it, but, I mean, they've been waiting on him for a long time, and he's here. It's like the song, My, uh, my Redeemer is Coming. My Redeemer is Coming. I'm sure they were singing something like that. Yeah, and so Jesus beat this thing. So that means that those of us who are in Christ, we beat this thing. So to, for us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Wow. Wow. We don't go into any holding cell, no transitionary period. No. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So then God, Jesus, since he, he died out of this realm of sin, this sin sphere, uh, this worldly sphere, he died from it. And so now his the one thing he does, he now lives to God or, or Godward. Every, no sin, none of that stuff is mentioned, Godward. And he tells us that because we were in Christ when he uh, died and we were in Christ when he was resurrected, we are now to like say to ourselves, we're to say, I'm living to God. And so every day we live Godward. You don't live, well, I remember when I used to, I, I try not to remember because my, my, my responsibilities now is to live Godward. You, can, you and I can live Godward. Uh, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. You know, we live Godward. We live Godward. Not looking back. All right. So, so let me look at Acts chapter 2, 24. Okay, speaking of Jesus, Acts 2, 24 through 28. It says, it's like Jesus whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible, listen, that he should be held by it. It was not possible. I told you about bringing, uh, uh, using the Scripture as your witnesses when you're walking out this life. That's why you need to read the Bible. If you don't read well, then get you an app and listen. And you can listen all the time. All right? And then put it on pause and while somebody's talking to you and say, just a minute, I got to go back to the Word. And listen to the Word. Because in Acts, uh, Peter is speaking of, um, I think this is Peter speaking, yes, uh, that God raised him up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. It was not possible. Why? For David says, verse 25, for David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always. Now listen. 
Oh, this is big. For I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he, the Lord Jesus, is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. I may not be shaken. I cannot be shaken by the things that are going on in the world. I cannot think that politicians can help me out because God has helped me out of the death that I was in. That's what it is. And you and I need to hold on to that. David says, he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, not in wishing, but in expectation of God. My flesh shall also will rest in hope. Listen to what he says about Jesus. For you will not leave. David's saying, for you, Jesus, God, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One. Now, listen, he switched from, switches from David here now to, to the Lord Jesus. You won't leave my soul in hell. Why won't you leave my soul in hell, Yahweh? For, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Jesus died, but his body never saw corruption. He says, on the third day, rose from the dead. And so he says, David says, so it doesn't matter when his enemies and his foes came against him. He said, when they came against me, he said, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And that means that we are living Godward. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to borrow two minutes. Therefore, John 10, 17. John 10, 17. Therefore. I think we can not erroneously put therefore there, but I think we can put therefore there. My Father loves me, Jesus says. Because what I lay down my life that I may take it again. And so we find that, that Jesus is in agreement with the psalmist. He says, this command I have received from my Father. And you and I, Jesus had this kind of faith as he was going into death. Jesus died in faith. Come on, I want you to know that Jesus died in faith. No man had ever gotten out of the grave. Jesus was a man. Uh, he was the God man, but he was a man. And he had faith in the Word of God. He had faith in the veracity of his Father's Word. And you and I can have faith in the veracity, the truthfulness of God's Word. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. So I want to reiterate Colossians 3, 1. It says, and we're going to read three verses. He says, if, if then or since then, since now, this is not a condition for you. If we were a mixed group here, uh, saved and unsaved, it would be if, because we, don't, we, we can't speak about everybody. But here in this context, I'm going to say since. Since then, you were raised with Christ. Because it's a, it's a historical fact. It cannot be abrogated. It cannot be negated. That means it can't be done away with. In these texts, we, say, we would say something like, it just can't be undone, man. Yeah. Yeah, listen, this is good stuff. Since then, you were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above. See, we're going to live our life to God. Just like Jesus, when he rose from the, the, uh, the dead, he rose uh, against sin. He's not in that realm at all. 
This is what he says. Since you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, for Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind, place your mind, fix your mind, Godward, on things above, not on things on the earth. Why would Paul say that? He brings back our death to our old self. He says, for you died. He has to tell this in every place where he goes. For you died, and your life is hidden. Thank you, Jesus. So the devil is it's in a place where the devil can't find it. It's hidden. Where is it hidden? With Christ. Where else? In God. And then Paul tells us, if we come back to 10, verse 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. Once for everybody. 117 billion people, 200 billion people. He died for everybody once for all. And then he died one time effectively. Once for all has two meanings. So once for all means effectively. Wow. He doesn't have to do, die many times. Not like the sacrificial animals. All right? All right, I'm, I'm coming to this close here. He says, likewise you also, verse 11. Reckon, put it on the books, write it down on your calendar, yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. But, change directions, alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So I want to, I'm going to pose a question. I'm going to take my seat for a moment. I want to ask you a question, two questions. One is, if you are here and you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, you should do that. It would be the best decision you've ever made. And you can do it now because there is grace space because of the preaching of the gospel the grace of God is here it's pervasive here and so right now you've got a moment I can sense it now that you can give your heart to Jesus Christ and you should it's the, it, it would be the best decision of your life it would be even better than marrying your spouse marrying your spouse would be second best decision be the best decision and I want you to make that decision to come to Jesus. And this is what he'll do. He says, those who come, he will in no wise cast out. I'm going to come back in just a minute, just a minute or two. I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask you to come up and give your life to Jesus by raising your hand and by walking up here and let me pray with you. There's a second category. There are many of us, we, we're Christians, we love God, but we've been in the quagmire of society. And... We didn't know how to untangle ourselves. We didn't know how to get out of the quicksand because when we would pull one leg out, we, the other one would get in, and we just didn't know how. And we have thoughts and ideas that are not right. All of us have had that, and some of us still have some of it. Some of us have a lot of it. And if you say, well, look, Pastor, I want to I get this thing right with Jesus, 
and I don't want to, the world to pull me because the world has sway over Christians, some Christians, more, it seems, more than the Bible. I'm not talking about church churchgoers. I'm talking about bona fide, born-again people, but they drink, as it were, the Kool-Aid. Maybe that's a bad analogy. You know, in that Jonestown thing, they kill those people by, by giving them Kool-Aid. It was so horrendous. But some of us have, have drunk the wine of the world. It's not the new wine, it's the wine of the world. And so I'm saying, if that's your category, don't be ashamed of it. Just say, hey, hey no more, Jesus. I won't be there anymore, okay?